What is law? Why do we enforce it? Why do we care? As we've seen all throughout history, when culture tries to redefine right and wrong, chaos ensues, culture collapses, and for a time, evil overtakes. The Roman Empire, Greek Empire, Nazis, communism, the examples are endless. Humanity tries again and again to rebel against what we know is right and good. But why? How is there a never-changing system of right and wrong that binds all of mankind? My thesis? Because God made it that way. He created it. He governs it. He's called us to live by it, uphold it, and teach it to others, thus making us ambassadors of his law, or deputies of Christ. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Take a look in the five and ten, glistening once again, with candy cane and silver lane aglow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Alrighty, Merry Christmas, y'all. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to top off my coffee and started singing Christmas Carol while I did it, so we just kept it. And now I have to pull up all my notes, so you all just get to sit there for a minute. Alright, I'm done with that. Okay, so, <clears throat> we'll see if uh, I can actually pull this off this morning. It's been pretty pretty crazy over here. The uh, You can probably hear the dog chewing his bone over in the corner, and the birds won't be quiet. Keep having to literally, I had to literally adjust my sound settings for the recording because it kept maxing out the microphone with how loud they're squawking. So, yeah, hi, hi birds. Keep it down, please. Alrighty. <clears throat> and then I've been trying to cough all morning, so I'm trying to stop with some coffee. But we'll see if that's actually successful or not. And enough about that. Alrighty. <clears throat> so, get my mic adjusted here. So what's going on these days? Um, well, obviously I'm not going to be giving an Academy update. So, that's fun. Uh, but what am I up to? <clears throat> I don't remember actually if I brought this up in the last show or not. But I'm at the moment working through the application process and I've... Um, it's going pretty well so far. I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to see an, an offer here soon um, for a job working uh, as a civilian under the sheriff's office. Um, so I'll still be with the department I was with before, and um, I can still, I mean, there's all kinds of benefits for me, but really the main benefit is just I get to stay working under the sheriff's department, keep my connections, and hopefully when I reapply next year, um, That'll have some weight, and it'll be a little easier for me to just slide back over into a deputy position. <clears throat> so more details to come on that. I'm still waiting on final word. I don't want to give a whole lot of info out until I have it. But that is what I'm working on at the moment. It'll it'll be a good opportunity for me. I'll still be able to interact with people in a law enforcement environment, uh, even though I, I won't be a sworn law enforcement officer. Um, and I'll get to still gain my experience from talking to people like that and still being able to interact with law enforcement and I'll be able to stay connected with the law enforcement that I want to, or with the department that I want to work with. So, <clears throat> Lord willing, that will all wrap up here in the next week or so, and I'll have a final answer. 
but at the moment we're just kind of biding time and working through everything. So that is that. Alrighty. <clears throat> now we can actually get into the show here. And yes, it is a Christmas show, as you probably noticed by the title. And can I do a Christmas show on a law enforcement podcast? I say that I can because it's my show and I love Christmas. Christmas is the best part of the year. It's my favorite part of the year. I love the Christmas music. I love eggnog. I love the, the people being gathered. I love the decorations. I love the songs. Obviously, I love what it means. I just, it never gets old. <clears throat> not exactly the same focus it had when I was 10 years old, but I still love it. And yes, I still love opening presents. That part is not going away. <clears throat> okay, so yes, this is a little early for a Christmas show. Um, my goal is to actually make this like a three or four parter. Um, put hopefully out one a week up until Christmas because I have a couple different facets that I want to look at this from. But I think it'll be fun and I think it'll be good and I'm going to enjoy doing it because it's Christmas. Oh, so here's, here's my uh, thesis. Since Christmas is all about Christ and the law is all about Christ, why can't I have a Christmas show on law enforcement podcast? There's my thesis. That, that's why I'm doing this. So for the next two weeks or a few weeks, I'm going to look at like one aspect of God's law every week. I'm not saying these are the most important aspects. I'm not saying these are the uh, first aspects that came to my mind. These are just three aspects that I chose to look at. And I haven't even actually decided the third one. I'm still debating between a couple options, but I know this one and I know the next one. Um, and we'll figure out the third one when the time comes. So today's aspect or this week's aspect that I want to look at God's law from is that God's law is consistent both in time and in content. To kick this off, I'd like to read uh, Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Uh, do not, this is Christ speaking, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until it is fulfilled. So some would say the way that I'm going to apply this, that I might be misapplying it. And I'm going to play along with them for a minute because that was how I was thinking originally that I started thinking about it. And I could still be wrong, but I kind of worked myself in a circle and it was interesting, but it all came back to the same point. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll bring that up. So... I have before used this verse to um, work through mostly ceremonial law. Um, talk about, you know, it's, and by, you know, ceremonial law, sacrificial system, um, baptism, circumcision, everything that had to do with the, I hate saying the church side of the law. I'm going to get to that here in a little while. But it's that, it, was, it wasn't the legal, civil, criminal side of the law. I always used it to talk about the ceremonial side of the law. If you don't know what ceremonial law is, go look it up. You can find it defined pretty easily. Um, so that's what I've used this passage before to discuss with people. But as I thought about it and looked through it, this verse came to mind. Or as I was thinking about this topic, this verse came to mind. And I was like, why doesn't it apply here? So I started working through it. And here's what I came up with. Ever since the beginning of sin, God instituted the sacrificial system. And the thing about that system is it was always missing something. I'm not saying that God forgot to put something in here. The whole point of the sacrificial system is that it was missing something. When someone committed a sin in the Old Testament and went to confess the sin offering, the sin offering was not the end-all be-all. The sin offering was a placeholder, and that's what I mean by something is missing. That sacrifice was not the goal in itself. That sacrifice pointed forward. It symbolized, hi dog, you're okay, symbolized 
uh, Christ on the cross who would ultimately actually pay for the sin. And that was the whole theme. Everything that the, I mean, it's the same thing today. Everything in the sacrificial or in the ceremonial law and now um, post Christ AD that we do is centralizes around Christ and his sacrifice. That is the, I mean, that's the heart of the gospel. So, <clears throat> sorry, lost my place. There is one area that I think that Christians, myself included, uh, we get a little confused. We are so culturally accustomed to separating, and I've talked about this before, but we're so culturally accustomed to separating the different facets of government and law that we forget that it's all connected. We obey scripture because it's in line with God and the church. We obey civil law because the government said so, and we obey parents because they don't like spankings. But we forget that it's all one law. The church, family, and civil government are all steward offices of God. God established all of them to govern their specific areas of our lives. And there's also self-government in there, but that, I didn't put that in there. Um, under his authority, still um, within his law and within his rules, they have authority over those areas. But the Bible is not... Well, that's an odd way to state this. <clears throat> I've discussed this before, I think. So if you want, you can go look at that episode. I can't remember what episode that was. But the Bible does lay it out like this, but it does not divide it to the extent that I think we're used to. When God gives the law in Deuteronomy, it's not, well, I'm in, in the whole Bible, but I'm going to look at Deuteronomy specifically. It's not just, okay, here's your self-government rules. Here's your church government rules. Here's your family government rules. And here's your state government rules. And there's one book per nice and nice little order. One, two, three, four. That's not how God does it. All four are intertwined throughout all of scripture. And if you just look at this, I'm going to look at just Deuteronomy. This just came up because I've gone through this recently. Start with Deuteronomy 16. Deuteronomy 16 starts talking about Passover. And then it starts going through all of the feasts. Then you go over to Deuteronomy 17, it continues, and then it starts all of a sudden into law of courts and the king. So now it's getting into civil law. And then Deuteronomy 18 goes back to offerings and priests, goes to occult practices, the prophets. And then 19 goes to cities of refuge, back to civil law and witnesses, civil law. And then it goes into going to war and other things that are not about and going into murder, um, marrying a captive woman. And then the right of firstborn, and then he wraps right back around to church, marriage violations and stuff like that, stuff in the family family law. It's all, it's all intertwined. It's not one, two, three, four, because it's all one law. These these, I hope I'm getting my point across here. These separations that we have of family, church, and uh, civil government and self government. Yes, they're different. They have different realms of authority. But it's all based off of God. It's all the way God designed it. They can't contradict one another when working correctly because they're all meant to work in harmony. I mean, look at look at a point deeper. Ceremonial and criminal laws both exist to repair our broken relationship with God, both of which were broken by sin, or the relationship was broken by sin, and both of which were cursed, or I'm sorry, excuse me, cured through Christ. 
the sacrificial system and the criminal system were essentially born at the same moment. When we sinned and disobeyed God, um, God sacrificed the lamb to clothe Adam and Eve, thus, thus giving way to the ceremonial uh, law, and also beginning the criminal law. And then you look a little further in the story, and the criminal law comes out more with things like Cain and Abel. But I believe it came out at that point too. And I'm going to get to that here in a minute. I'm building up to it. So there is a slight separation from ceremonial and criminal, and I'm focusing on ceremonial and criminal, but family and personal are still here too. Um, so there's slight separation between the two, but they're more than just different facets of the same law. I would be interested to study the differences between the two, because if you were to go ask somebody today, not that that's always a, a good, good, good guideline for right and wrong, but if you were to go ask somebody today, um, idolatry and blasphemy are religious things and therefore they're not criminal things. You can't be prosecuted criminally for them. But let's, let's look at that for a minute. I had a fun little definition session again. So here's the definition. I just went online and Googled the definition of criminal law. Criminal law definition is the law dealing with crimes and their punishments. Again, that's the law dealing with crimes and their punishments. Okay, so let's look at crime. The definition of crime is is a serious offense, especially one in violation of morality. A serious offense, one, especially one in violation of morality. Let's look at morality. The quality of being in accord with standards of right or good conduct. The quality of being in good accord or being in accord with standards of good conduct. Okay, I messed that up. I'm going to read that again. Sorry. The quality of being in accord with standards of right or good conduct. Okay, so now let's look at law. Law is a rule of conduct or procedure established by custom, agreement, or authority. So a rule or conduct, a rule, goodness, I can't read, I'm sorry. A rule of conduct or procedure established by custom, agreement, or authority. So if I was to take all of those definitions and smash them together, literally just substitute out one word for another, I get that criminal law, the definition of criminal law is the rule of conduct or procedures established by an authority, in our case, God, dealing with a serious offense, especially one in violation of the quality of being in good accord with standards of right or good conduct. So if I was to step off my um, soapbox here and just say this in normal words, criminal law is doing something harmful against another person or doing something wrong against another person. So here's my thesis number two. Is God not a person? If God's a person, which obviously he is, I'm not being devil's advocate. God's a person. Humans are people. Why the big difference between criminal law and civil law? In criminal law, we're doing something wrong against somebody else. As in another human. In civil law, or in ceremonial law, we're doing something wrong against God, who is another person. So we call them different things, but really at the heart, it's the same thing. It's us doing something wrong towards somebody else. And if you go back into the garden where it all started, Adam and Eve sinned against God. So criminal law, sinning, doing something wrong against another person. So that's the birth of both ceremonial and criminal law. Hope I'm not deep beating a dead horse and y'all get what I'm saying here. 
<clears throat> okay, so now that that whole little mini thesis is out of the way, that I think we separate criminal and ceremonial law a little too much. Yes, they have different um, roles. I mean, they're your uh, elder or pastor cannot go enforcing civil law, and your uh, goodness, I'm sorry, your civil magistrates cannot go enforcing church discipline and other um, things in the ceremonial side of things, or the church. I, I'm just throwing church and ceremonial, which really isn't the right way to do it. But in your church government area, and church government can't overreach into your civil government area. Same thing I've been saying ever since the beginning of this podcast. So now that I have all of that out of the way, I can actually get into a couple points about the um, consistency of God's law. Starting off with God's law is a single standard. Okay. All right. So first point, God's law is a single standard. God's law is just a reflection of himself. We are held to the same standard that God holds himself to. And I'm not saying that God could ever fail his law or fall short of his standard. Obviously, that's impossible. All of the world wouldn't be possible if that was the case. That is like Christianity Doctrine 101. Uh, God is pure, perfect, and cannot change. So we're held to the same standard that God's hold himself to. Every element of his law is simply upholding one of God's attributes. I feel like I should probably dive into that statement a little more. That was a little bit of a bold statement. So I actually just paused the podcast there and wrote that down in my future podcast ideas list because I think there's actually a fair amount of content there that can be unpacked and that would be interesting to dive into. But for the time being, for the moment, what I mean by that statement of uh, God's law, what, what exactly did I say? Um, every element of the law is simply upholding one of God's attributes. That was my exact quote. What I mean by that is since the law is designed by God um, to uphold perfect justice and truth, which God is perfect justice and truth. Therefore, by definition, the law is, I'd say, upholding God, but it's upholding God's standards. It's upholding God's truths of right and wrong. So um, if you lie, you're taking away from God's uh, truthfulness, God's honesty. Um, I mean, there's so many things. If you're immoral, you're taking away from the definition of beauty. Romans 1 has... Um, quite the words to say about that. Everything has, I mean, yes, there are, beauty is not in the eye of the beholder. In some ways it is, but God has put down the ultimate definition of what is beautiful and what is not, and what is sinful and wrong is not beautiful by definition. That's what I'm trying to say. You cannot take something and make it beautiful when it's not, and it can't be by definition because God has decreed that it is wrong and sinful. Okay, so now I'll get out of that little rabbit hole and we'll move back along. I have to find where I was in my notes. Sorry. A lot of words in the notes today. Usually it's just bullet points, and this one's pretty much full out written sentences, so I don't say wrong things. <clears throat> okay. So, to repeat myself, every element of law is simply upholding one of God's attributes. God, humans, angels, and animals are all held to the same standard in a way. And yes, I know I did just say animals in that list. I'm going to expound upon that a little bit because I know that that probably freaks some people out. <clears throat> and it doesn't, I didn't really mean it how it exactly sounded. Um, God has designed, as I just said, God has designed the world to operate according to himself, his law, and his purpose. 
So even though not everything is held to the same standard, aka people aren't angels, there are laws that apply in every area. When Satan convinced Adam to sin, both man and Satan were punished. Both of them sinned by, um, I mean, they sinned against God, and humans, the human was punished, and the angel was punished. When an animal kills somebody, this is in the law, when an animal kills somebody, the animal is put to death. Because sanctity of life still applies across the board. God put the fear of man in animals. Um, it's that, that righteous, respectful fear, or it's supposed to be just a, the, the same kind of fear we're supposed to have towards God. You know, we are God's steward of creation. Now, since the fall, that has changed and twisted, just like our fear of God can be in the wrong place. But there are rules and laws that stretch costs like the sanctity of life. <clears throat> and they can also go the other way because we are responsible for the animals. There's... Um, there's the passage, the law in scripture, where if a man has a, uh, I think the example given is a, uh, a bull or a steer, whatever you want to call it. I'm not a farm person. They're all cows to me. Um, if he has one that is known to be aggressive and has charged people before and he has not taken care of it, he has not confined it, contained it in a safe manner, and it gores someone, he is responsible for that animal. Because he did not take the steps. It wasn't just an out of the blue. The animal went crazy. This animal had a history of this. He knew that this is possible. And he did not take the steps to protect the person from this. Therefore, now the animal violated sanctity of life. But now he is in charge or responsible for that because the animal is under his supervision. So you can see how the law plays in with the uh, organizational structure and tier of authority. <clears throat> So God's world naturally operates according to his law until sin gets, what I just talked about, until sin gets in the way of its course, which is what the law is here to correct. So this goes back to the garden. You know, everything was operating happily and perfectly until the fall of Adam um, and the fall of Satan, at which point the earth was uh, messed up. Sin entered the world um, and all the chaos that ensued. That is where the law was implemented. The law before that was just... Don't eat off of that tree and do what I tell you to. Said in a very direct way. Um, and that was good. That was fine. That that one law covered everything because everything else was good. Man did not know sin. But now we do because we disobeyed that one law. So that's what the law is here to correct. And I kind of once again went down a little bit of a rabbit hole on that one. Shocker. Um, but the original point that... Hey puppy. The original point that I started with was that... Um, God's laws, single standard. It's applied to everybody the same way. And by CJ, stop. The best way I can summarize this is my little final point for this point. Um, was actually stated kind of a, I haven't heard it stated better than I heard Jordan Peterson state it. Now, I'm not a big Jordan Peterson fan. I don't think he approaches everything from the right angle. Um, but he does have some, some good points. And he says that he, he has a way of selling, saying things eloquently. Um, but he, he, I watched a video he did about the difference between equality and equity. And I'm going to take a step back because I don't want to go down the whole Jordan Peterson versus wokeism rabbit hole. But all that is to say the difference between equality and equity. Equality is two things that are the exact same. Two is two, red is red, blue is blue. 
purple and blue are not equal. They're slightly different. They have different hues. Equity is saying that two things are treated fairly. They're treated justly. So red and blue cannot be equal, but they can have equity. You can paint half the room red and half the room blue. Those two halves of the room are not equal in every way because they have different colors, but they can be treated just and fair and the same. It sounds like I'm going down the whole race rabbit hole and I'm not. But that's what I'm trying to say. So there's there's a difference between equality and equity. And so in that same way, humans, mankind, can have God's law applied equally to all beings in humanity. Because we're all human. We're not all the exact same, but on that level, on that plane, we're all human. Now, God's law cannot be applied to animals or angels in that exact same way because they're not human. There's differences. But it can be applied with equity. We all have the same standards. Justice is still justice for all of us. Truth is still truth for all of us. Um, right and wrong is still the same. So that's what I'm trying to say is even though... I have no idea the code that angels live by. I have no idea what their rule book is. But I know that there are biblical examples. I brought some up earlier. There are biblical examples where angels can do right and wrong and humans can do right and wrong. And that's the same right and wrong. There's places where humans can do right and wrong and animals can do right and wrong. And those are the same right and wrong. I think I stated it earlier. If not, I'll state it real quick just because. Um, so Adam in the garden sins or what even Adam sinned, uh, Satan convinces Eve to sin. They all lied in that whole scenario. Lying is wrong for both of them. They were both punished. New scenario. Uh, yeah, I did, I did go through all this before. Uh, ox in the field. Ox gores somebody. Sanctity of life. The animal disobeyed sanctity of life. Human disobeyed sanctity of life. It's the same thing. Same result. Okay, sorry to repeat myself there. I couldn't remember if I edited that out, edited that out or not, but I hadn't. So that's my point here is just that Equality and equity are not the same thing. God's law can be applied equally to all mankind, and it can be applied with equity over all of creation. I believe that's right. You know what I'm saying? I hope you get what I'm saying. I can't hear you or see you say yes, so I'm just going to assume that I'm, I'm actually getting through. That's what I'm trying to say. God's law is consistent in content because it is a one-system standard, and God holds himself to the same standard that he holds humans to, that he holds angels to, and that he holds animals or whatever else you want to say to everyone every um, every being is held to the same standard in the end i'm done beating that dead horse i'm going to move on to another point now which is shorter i promise because i'm already okay i got about five minutes left awesome okay so my second little subsoit to this is that it's consistent <clears throat> and content because it's applied everywhere at all time. Now this could get a little bit, this kind of flows nicely into my second point and it'll kind of be a little blurred because it kind of seems like the same thing, but I'm trying, it's not really, and I'm trying to point that out. Um, the second point is that God's law is consistent in time. This is that the content of God's law is applied everywhere at all times. So both have to do with times, but it's not quite the same. The second point has to do with it changing, whereas the first, this point has to do with it being applied everywhere at the same time so there is no non-extra radical zone for god's law i mean this is kind of just obvious ground rule god created the world god's law applies in all of the world and this is a little pet peeve but this is why i think it's so this is why it's so important that man's law aligns with god's law or one reason is because there should be no place where people can rest something that god 
says is wrong, mankind cannot in some place say is right, because obviously other than just disobeying God right there, now we're giving evil a sanctuary because we're saying it's safe for evil to be here um, whatever in whatever fashion it is, and obviously that's wrong. Our goal is to eliminate evil. Our goal is to fight evil, not give it a safe harbor. Not really going into that whole side note a whole lot. That's all I'll say on that because I'm kind of running out of time, so I'll chop a little bit out. Okay, the second point, last point, um, is that first is that God is consistent, or God's law is consistent in content. Second is that God's law is consistent in time. So let's look at that verse again. If I can pull it up just so I can quote it verbatim. And I think it was also on the wrong. Oh, no, it was on the right. Good look at that. So 5, 16, and 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle, or excuse me, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law until all is fulfilled. And I'll stop there for the moment. Could keep going, but I'll stop there. Okay. So Christ did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And not one jot or one tittle shall pass away until all is fulfilled. This kind of reinforces the whole thing about God never changes. And I'm, you could read verses about that, but I'm sure you all have verses coming to mind. Um, saying yesterday, today, and forever, God is one. He never changes. Also, basic Christian doctrine. God's law pivots around Christ. And this is, I've had some good conversations about this. And this is, this is an important point that to different levels even, um, I mean, this is a difference in a lot of denominations. A lot of it comes down to little things like this that come out of this transition um, from Old Covenant to New Covenant. Uh, it all pivots around Christ, but we're, we still work to understand exactly how it's done properly. So <clears throat> we had the Old Covenant system, sacrificial system. Christ comes, dies on the cross for our sins. He's the final sacrifice. Now things change into the new covenant. There was never a problem with the old covenant. And I alluded to this earlier, but I'm going to spend a little more time on this. Old covenant law is still in effect today. I have to be careful with how I say this, but hear me out. <clears throat> it's still in effect today because it's all the same law. God didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, God didn't write the old covenant and then a couple thousand years later go, oh, hey, look, I made some problems. I need to, I need to fix this. Um, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross so I can write God's law 2.0 and give that out to the world. It was the same law. The sacrificial system and the ceremonial system was foreshadowing Christ. When Christ came, he did not destroy the law, but he fulfilled it. So he died on the cross, sacrificial system. It didn't go away. It didn't end. It wasn't revoked. It was fulfilled. Christ was the final sacrifice. We no longer need to make sacrifices for our sins anymore because Christ already paid that price. And it, it's basic stuff that I'm saying, but... It's something that I had to think through, and even up until recently, it finally clicked. That like, oh, it's not that the old covenant was revoked; it's it's still in effect today. But we don't have to address it in the same way because we don't have to offer sacrifices because Christ already did that. 
that sacrifice was not the or Christ's sacrifice was the end all be all. The, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament of lambs and oxes and all that, that was not the end all be all. That was the foreshadowing to Christ. That's the point I'm trying to get through here. Hope hope you're trying you're beginning to see it. I'm not that eloquent with words. I can stumble over myself and repeat myself. But that's what I'm trying to say. Sacrificialism is still in effect. It's just we don't do it because Christ already fulfilled it. So by in effect, I don't mean we're doing it. I mean the law is still there. We just don't have to actively partake in it. Christ paid that paid that um, price, and now we have different ways of confessing and atoning for our sin other than giving a sacrificial system because we have faith in Christ. I think I've beat that point enough. And this is, I guess, kind of where I'll tie up the whole show. My one final little point I should have not broken, just kind of flipped right into this, and it would make more sense. But Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. Christ came, and now we're just on the, the new covenant is the flip side of Christ's sacrifice. So now instead of sacrificing and anticipating Christ's sacrifice, we look back on Christ's sacrifice. And of course, I mean, Christ already won. So we're in the battle, but... It's kind of like if anybody's played Access and Allies or Risk, mostly Access and Allies. It still applies to Risk, but more so Access and Allies. I'm going to nerd out for a minute. In Access and Allies, uh, it's a recreation of World War II, obviously by the name. Um, that game is a lot of fun, and it can take like six hours, eight hours to play. It takes a long time. But sometimes you know from like hour two who's going to win. It just takes them four hours to do it so in a way it's kind of like that obviously there's no question as to who won christ won now we're just we're in the aftermath we're still fighting but we know who the victor is we're cleaning up the mess not we christ is cleaning up the mess through us and we still make plenty of mess on the way but he already cleaned that up so but that's i don't know that was a long drawn out way to say a one point thing but we're on the flip side. Tables have turned. Christ won the battle. We're just cleaning up the mess or aftermax, so to speak. And that's why <clears throat> law enforcement matters. That's why um, digging into God's law and God's word matters because he's won. We just have to know how to properly and effectively apply his victory. It's a weird way to say it, but applying his law is upholding Christ and or upholding God and Christ and that's what Christ died to defend. That's what Christ died to reinforce. So by enforcing it now, done properly, we are... Um, that's an odd way to say that. I never thought about it. Saying it like that. Okay, I'm going to say this, but it might be wrong. It just popped into my head. Law enforcement done correctly. Yeah, it's true. Law enforcement done correctly, like everything else, is a statement of the gospel. Law enforcement, like everything else, done in the proper way, the proper God-honoring way, um, or, uh, not inflicting, come on, what's the word? Enforcing God's commands, God's laws, is proclaiming Christ's death because we're proclaiming that there is an ultimate right and wrong. It's just like everything else. There's a proper way to do things, and if you do things that proper way, you are living uh, to honor Christ in all you think, say, and do. That was an interesting point. I wish I would have thought about that earlier and could actually like written that out nicely in the notes and that would have been a nice note to end on. 
now it just seems like it's kind of an afterthought because it kind of was. So that's what I have. <clears throat> that right. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, I'm, I've got something in my throat today. I don't know why. And the hot coffee only does so much. There's my Law Enforcement Christmas Podcast Part 1. This is why I think I can hold a Law Enforcement Christmas Podcast, because we're enforcing God's law. So why would we not enforce, or why would we not celebrate Christ? That's what I have for right now. Um, next week, it should be out Part 2. I've still got to write it and get all that lined up, but that should be out next week. And hey, Merry Christmas. See y'all later. Also, I think, I don't think, um, this was actually the first official episode. <clears throat> My goodness. This was actually the first official episode of season two of this because it seemed like a logical point to transition from season one to season two, even though it hasn't been quite a year. So I'm going to do that. So this is season two. So there's a new intro and exit and all that stuff. Exit. What do you call that? Uh, outro. Haha. <laughs> intro and outro. There we go. And I'm going to stop talking now, I promise, and bye. My friends, evil never rests. But praise be that our never-resting king and commander is leading the way. This being the case, it's our job to follow. He's promised us that the blows life gives will never be too much to take, and he will never refuse our cry for help. But life is no cakewalk. We must therefore put on his strength, take up our cross, and follow him, taking back every area of government for his glory. Family, church, state, and self must bow the knee to Christ. Christ is our prophet, our priest, and our king, and we are his sheep, his soldiers, and his deputies. <laughs>